0: the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit one God Amen to recap we've been speaking about anger um, and how uh, the first week we talked about how anger is rooted in a sense of entitlement in a sense of wanting or deserving or thinking I have the right to something in particular and when something comes in the way between me and that then I, um, then I have this intense visceral reaction um, that's unpleasant. It makes me feel unpleasant. It makes me feel icky um, to remove or obliterate whatever possible um, the obstacle is that's in my way. Uh, and uh, last week we talked about how uh, that anger... Um, is when we have these intense reactions whether we verbalize them or not whether we act on them or not when we have these intense reactions it's uh it's it's usually because there's an some underlying hurt deep down inside and God wants to heal us of that hurt um, so that we would become no longer become vulnerable to uh, to the stimuli that cause us to get angry um, and um, we finished last week by saying, but, but Father John, you don't know. You don't know how much I've been hurt. You don't know how much I've been wronged. You don't know. Um, and, um, and we make, um, sometimes we justify um, our anger. And so today we're going to be talking about justified anger and what to do when our, when our anger is not justified. So let's just start off really quickly by talking about justified anger so that we can put it aside, because for the most part, that's not what I deal with. Maybe it's what you deal with, but it's not for the most part what I deal with. Um, God gave us this capacity because it's in Him. And you read about the wrath of God or the anger of God, and that's a slightly different topic. But if we can understand what anger really is, um, then we'll have a better chance of understanding our own anger, but also the anger of God. God created us in His image and likeness. We're like a photocopy of God, right? And so whatever is found in God will be found in us. If He has the capacity to get angry, so do we. And in earlier talks, we talked about why would God have given us this capacity, this ability to get so murderously angry to remove or obliterate, to murder, the obstacles that are between us and that which what we desire because there are some things in our existence there's some things in in our in our life that are are not are you, we cannot lose we cannot afford to be, to to come even close to losing them and that there is one thing that fits that 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 the bill all the time and that's my communion with God and God's communion with us. Can you imagine that when something comes between God and us, God gets murderously angry and wishes to remove it completely so that there could be nothing that would be between us and him, between our intimacy, between us and him. You ever been trying to get together with a friend and something keeps coming up? And you try again, and something comes up. And you try again, and something comes up. Eventually, you you want to murder, you want to remove all these things that keep coming up. That's how God feels about you, and that's how God wants us to feel about him. And so he's given us this capacity to have a zero tolerance for anything, whichever, whatever it may be, that comes up between us and Him. And what typically comes between us and Him? What muddies the water? What ruins the signal? What makes it hard for me to hear God clearly, to see Him in my neighbor? What what is it? What's the plank that's in my eye that makes it impossible for me to see the speck in my brother's eye? What is it? Right? You tell me. What is it? It's the self, right? I care so much about my self that I can't see anybody around. I'm so full of my self that I can't see the needs of my brother. And so, rather than than, than anger being given to me as a means to protect my communion with God and my communion with my neighbor, I've replaced God in this equation with stuff. And when my neighbor, or even God, comes in between me and my stuff, what do I do? I murder my neighbor to get to my stuff. So you see how it's just gotten all so distorted by a little switcheroo. A little substitution has happened, and all of a sudden, we're confused. And all of a sudden, we're confused. But God himself is the one who gave us this capacity to get angry, not to murder our brother, right? But... Rather, to love God and to love our neighbor and to protect that at all costs. To protect my love of God and love of neighbor at all costs. Well, what has happened is now I get angry at my neighbor. I I get angry with my brother. I hate uh, and murder my brother. And last week we talked about You know, the first example of anger, the first mention of anger in scripture, it's right at the beginning of the the story of humanity Cain and Abel. Cain murders Abel because he gets angry. And that anger is murder. This is no joking affair, my friends. This business of anger could end in a life sentence. Uh, And last week we were talking how it's a life sentence of hell, not only in the afterlife. You know, that's whatever, that's for God to decide how he does that. But hell on earth, when I cut myself off from people, I make myself alone. Today, so that's, so what what would righteous anger look like when I switch it back? When I switch it back? When I get angry with sin, when I get angry with self, not myself, not talking about beating yourself up, no, we're talking about when I see that I have the choice between being selfish and putting my selfish interests, you know, first or putting my neighbor's interests first, I murder the desire to put myself first, I kill it, I uproot it right from the roots. I, re- I reveal to myself what that is. It's not a little bit of laziness. It's not caring for myself. It's not, no, no, no. I'm all for caring. I'm all for self care and all those things and exercise and eating well and, you know, going to the spa every now and again. Sure, have at it, right? But it doesn't have to come necessarily always at the cost of my neighbor, right? When we start to identify that self is taking the place, love of self is taking the place of love of neighbor, that's the thing to get angry at, that's the thing to uproot right from the roots, that's the thing to murder, that's when I should see red and want to see blood, right, is my selfishness because that's what's keeping me from living the kingdom of God here on earth, not Yes, later, and yes, in the kingdom of heaven with all the saints and angels, yes, yes to all of that. But there's a kingdom of God here on earth that I'm meant to be living in, that I'm invited to live in. Most people describe their life not as living in heaven, but as living their life as a living what? Hell. Well, there you go, eh? there you go. And then people tell me, how can you believe in hell? You're such a bad person, this and that. Well, I know a whole lot of people who live there, so it must exist, you know, otherwise they would exist and they would live be living nowhere, right? But the problem is this. The problem is that you and I feel sometimes that our anger is justified. And we make excuses. But Father John, you don't know what this person did to me. But Father John, you don't know what that person said to me. But Father John, you don't know. And you're right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know your hurt. I don't know your pain. I don't know I don't know what, what people have done to you. I know what people have done to me. And I know my story. And I know that I oftentimes try to justify things. Okay, spiritual life super hack. Related to this and related to many other aspects in, in spiritual life. Whenever you find yourself talking to yourself in your head and saying, but it's because. But, but I did that because. But I said that because you're justifying yourself. I'm justifying myself, right? Pause for a minute. Let's just pause here for a second and think about this. Why am I justifying myself? My conscience must be aching. My conscience must be bothering me. My conscience must be telling me, You did something wrong, or you shouldn't have done that, or that wasn't right, or whatever, right? And so I'm justifying it, but I'm only hearing one side of the telephone conversation, right? I don't necessarily hear my conscience, which is speaking, but I hear this side of the telephone conversation. Yeah, but, da-da-da-da-da, right? Whenever you catch yourself saying, yeah, but... Think a couple of thoughts. Let's do a little bit of uh, you know, free CBT for everybody here. Okay, Let's try to reframe our minds. Let's try to channel them in another direction. Answer that thought right away by saying it is Christ who justifies me. I don't need to answer to you. Because there's a little voice in my head that's always pointing out the things that I do wrong or the things I could have done better or the things this or the things that. You know what? That voice drives us all nuts, right? Answer it back and say, it is Christ who justifies me. I'm justified by his blood. I don't need to justify myself. Number one, you don't need to justify yourself. You don't need to justify your unrighteous anger to me or to you or to anybody. Jesus has already paid the price. Jesus has already forgiven you your sin. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. You don't need to justify it. You don't need to justify it. Right? Whenever you catch yourself justifying yourself, pause and answer it and tell yourself, I don't need, I don't need to justify it. Then take the thought and say, I'm not even going to think about this. Lord, I'm going to give this thought to you. You judge. Did I do right or did I do wrong? Take it to scripture. Did I do right or did I do wrong? What does the Bible say? Take it to your spiritual father. Take it to prayer. right? Take it to God. Don't make yourself the judge. Why? It's a, it's a really heavy burden to bear. It's a really heavy burden to bear on your shoulders to judge yourself. Don't do that. Why? Take it to God. And Jesus will never wag his finger at you. Even if you did the worst of the worst, what will he say? Even I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. Right? Like he said to the woman caught in the act of adultery super little spiritual life super hack if you catch yourself justifying yourself stop redirect the thought to christ tell yourself i don't need to justi- justify myself it is christ who justifies me it's christ who judges and he himself says i condemn no one right so lord what do you think of this either he'll tell you well done good and faithful servant or he'll tell you well this was yeah it could have been better but you know what Neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Okay, you learned your lesson, go do better next time, right? Now the biggest problem with us justifying our anger is that we keep our anger. Last week, if you missed last week, you got to listen to it. It's on YouTube, go back and listen to it. The problem is that when I get angry with others, I murder myself, I'm hurting myself. And then when I make excuses to keep this toxicity, you know, and hold on to this toxicity, who's, who's suffering from this? Me. It's like the famous thing which is said about unforgiveness, said all the time, right? Unforgiveness is like mixing up some poison for your enemy and drinking it and hoping that they will die, right? When I hold on to unforgiveness, when I hold on to anger, when I hold on to these things it's like holding on real real tight to a steak knife from the blade end you know who's getting hurt by that? me me I'm the one who's hurting I'm the one who's hurting and then when I make excuses to justify the reasoning for which I should indeed hold on to this who continues to suffer? me and the guy I'm angry with is sleeping comfortably in his bed and I continue to suffer. So the tragedy, the tragedy of justifying anger to ourselves is we perpetuate our own hurt. So the solution, the solution is to recognize this. The solution is really simple, is to say this phrase. I'm gonna say it and you can repeat it after me. Anger is a sin. You want try that? Three words. Anger is a sin, right? I say this, folks, I struggle with anger. I picked to do this series because this is easy for me to do because I've read everything under the sun I can find about anger because I've gone to therapy for anger. I talk to my spiritual father about anger every month. I've heard all the advice. I've read everything the fathers have to say because I am you, okay? I do this. I tell myself Anger is a sin. The next sentence is, there's no excuse for sin. Can we say that together? There's no excuse for sin. What's the right thing to do with sin, John? One word. Easy peasy. Repent. 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 Go to Christ. Tell him, Lord, I got angry and I get angry at home with my daughter's first thing I do is I get down on my knees and I say honey I'm so sorry daddy got angry I'm sorry to God and I'm sorry to you right away nip it in the bud don't let it you know what I mean these things right you know what they're like they're like a bunch of pigeons that were playing in the in a muddy puddle and then they flapped away and one of them tried to land on your head right the longer you let it land and sit there and prance around, the more you got to need to wash your hair. If it just comes and it just touches down and leaves, you can, brush, you can brush the mud off and it's all gone. The longer I let these things fester in my head, the more of a mess they make. And then I need a lot more to untangle these thoughts and make sense of them. So the first thing when I get angry that I tell myself is there is no excuse for anger. Anger is a sin. And then just repent. So easy, turn up to your eyes to heaven and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Turn to your neighbor that you got angry. If it was out loud or if it was whatever, or you know, it's road rage, you know. Turn to your windshields, (laughs) windscreen and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I got angry, right? Just evict it out of your life right away. Don't don't pause. Don't wait. Don't 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 blame, don't shame, don't yourself, don't beat yourself up for it. It's just, none of that is useful. Just get it out of there right away. You know what happens immediately after that? Is that all that that fire, that rage which was starting to build up in me cools down. I heard a wonderful sermon this week, a wonderful sermon this week about Lazarus and the rich man. Jesus tells a parable. We don't know if it's a parable or if it's a true story, like people that really lived in the city that Jesus was referring to and that, uh, that, that, the, that the people would have known. Um, but it's presumed to be a parable about a rich man And we don't, you know, it's interesting, but we never get to know his name because he's nameless. Maybe because he's each one of us, or he's me anyways, right? Who fared sumptuously every day and dressed in purple. Purple was a very expensive uh, cloth to a color to stain cloth. And so to be dressed in purple meant meant you were loaded, right? This guy wore something new every day and he fared sumptuously every day. Whereas Lazarus, lay at the at, they laid they had laid him at his gates and he was laid there you know and when it says that he had been laid there that means he was probably so sick he was incapable of moving they laid him there hoping that the rich man would have mercy on him but he didn't even the crumbs that fell from his table he didn't give it to Lazarus it says that the dogs licked his sores meant he had like wounds open wounds and the dogs would come and lick them means he didn't even have the strength to shoo the dogs away dogs in 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 uh, I know a lot of people have dogs and you all love your dogs and I'm glad you love your dogs but dogs in those times were considered like um, a nuisance a pest you know Um, and so like he was he was less than the pests of society you know he was less than the pests of society you know he Really sunk to the lowest level, right? Anyways, they die, both of them, their souls are taken, and Lazarus' soul goes to the bosom of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the rich man's soul goes to Jehanna, to Hades, or to hell. Right? And um, and and hell there is actually described as a fire, right? And so Father Maxim Lissac. Uh, who was saying the sermon? I encourage you to listen to it. Made it so clear that the fire that the, the rich man was in is not is not some existential hell that is over there, right? It's the fire of the passions that reside within me. When I say I have a, I have, I'm passionate. I burn. With passion, the passions here are not to be passionate to be uh, enthusiastic or emotive about something. no, but there's there's eight distortions uh of the holy energy that God has created us with, and those they're called the eight passions: anger, lust, gluttony, love and so on, right? Uh, anger is one of them. And that's what happens, right, when, 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 when somebody offends me, when I get upset, when I get angry, what, what happens, right? Something, you know, like I realize and then, I, and then something burns within me and the fire builds up, my heart rate goes up, my voice starts to tremble, my palms get sweaty, right? I get that adrenergic response, that fight-flight-fright response, right? The adrenaline starts roaring, right? The fire burns within us. What happens when we take that fire and we give it to Christ? What happened to the three youths who were in the fire? It became to them as a cool mist. A cool mist. That's what happens when we repent. That's what happens when I repent. I'm telling you from my own practical experience on a daily basis, on a daily basis. The Lord, another little life super hack to kind of reorient our Christianity. God is not calling you and calling me to be perfect Christians, to be perfect. God wants you to be perfect. Never sin again. No. You probably sin just as much now as you did before you knew the Lord. Maybe, maybe a a tiny bit less, maybe 10 or 20% less. What? What do you mean? I thought Christians were supposed to be good people. No, Christians are supposed to be repentant people. Holiness is no longer to never break the law. Holiness is to live a continual life of repentance. If I can live in continual repentance, then I'm continually holy. If I'm saying the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, the sinner, all the time, then whether I sin or not, I am repentant. I'm always, I'm always living in the circle of God's grace. I'm always returning to Him. I'm always in His embrace. I'm always murderously removing anything that could possibly stand between me and Him. So What have we learned today? Very simple. Today's message is very simple. Let us replace our justification with repentance. Justifying it is hurting. Justifying my anger is hurting me. But my repentance is restoring my relationship with God and my relationship with my neighbor. And so if I can just immediately recognize those voices of self-justification and replace them with, with just a pause and a moment of looking up to heaven and saying, Father, forgive me. Then heaven will also look down at me and say to me, go and sin no more. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.